Welcome to the Art of Discussing podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kate. In this podcast, we will be hearing other viewpoints on relevant topics of today and having conversations about those viewpoints. It may look messy as we and our guests articulate our points of view and work to understand the other points of view that are out there. Our goal is to get to and understand everybody's viewpoint while respecting the human being. Each season will have a topic for each episode. And at the end of the season, Ben and I will be discussing what surprised us, what we learned, and how the season may have changed if applicable our viewpoints. Some of our guests may want to retain some anonymity, so we will accommodate them according to their comfort level, which may include changing their name or their relationship to us if applicable. We are all in different locations, so sound quality may vary based on guests, and you may hear some background noises like pets or children. Thank you for understanding. Given our commitment to open discussion, we've set up some ground rules for us as hosts and our guests as we discuss the topics in each episode, but they are also for our listeners. As you listen to this episode, please keep in mind the following ground rules. Ask questions and listen to the answer. Open-mindedness is essential to learn something new. Viewpoints are not weapons. We serve levity in every episode and encourage you to do the same. No one is right or wrong, let's just be heard. No inappropriate name-calling and... No cutting into a person's share. If you're triggered or angry at a point, ask to pause or break from the conversation. Hosts are the keeper of the decorum and will administer the ground rules as needed. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to The Art of Discussing. I'm Kate. I'm Ben. We're going to talk a little bit about are we ready for the next pandemic and what have we learned from this pandemic. Today we're talking again with Dr. Lawrence Beso. We're super excited to have him back. And he is a native of San Francisco. Following graduation from medical school at UCSF, He trained at the University of Washington in Seattle in internal medicine, and therefore he returned to San Francisco for a fellowship in endocrinology and metabolism. After two years in the U.S. Army, he uh, returned to accept a position in endocrinology at the Palo Alto Medical Foundation in Palo Alto. He also was able to work part-time at Stanford with responsibility for organizing and teaching medical residents. It was there that he developed a love of teaching. And at the same time, he became certified in the specialty of nuclear medicine and later in his career was also an attending physician in nuclear medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. He also was the chief of nuclear medicine at the Palo Alto Medical Foundation. In the last 15 years, he has taught at Stanford, Notre Dame, and UC Extension in Belmont in human physiology, human pathophysiology, pharmacology, and developmental biology. He has published over 30 papers and is a co-author in the textbook on assay. In recent years, he extended his teaching to the lay 
public and he enjoys talking very complex topics like genetics and uh, immunology and makes them understandable to non-medical public. Um, so thank you for being back, Dr. Beso. Uh, let's jump on in. What do we, what do you think, but what are the major things you see were either failures or things that we are not prepared for going forward? We have to have our nose out there for all of the other possible threats that we may be facing in the future. And we have to pursue this very aggressively. Um, the coronavirus was a real wake-up call here. We were ill-prepared for this. We have to be ready. Now that we know the mRNA vaccines can and the other genetic vaccines can be prepared, we have to be ready to sequence these. We have to be ready with the therapeutics. We have to have better therapeutic agents. We have to have, this is crucial, we have to have rapid diagnostic tests. You got to test them. You got to have a test that gives you a, an answer right away. You can't wait five days for an answer to the test, which is what we were doing initially with the first tests that were done. It's useless to wait that long. The virus has already spread exponentially. It's gone from one to a million copies within a short period of time. And boy, does that spread in the environment quickly when that, when that happens. So somebody well, talking to you will spread it very quickly. Somebody sneezing, somebody coughing. And these viruses just are going to multiply very, very rapidly. That's the whole idea. So time is of the essence in controlling the spread. Before we get a result, we have to have rapid, even hope for home use with immediate results in order to control the infection. We have to have good contact, a, a situation where we have contact people who are looking at uh, exposure of somebody who's been exposed. There can be a number of electronic devices used this way. Your cell phone can be used this way, uh, perhaps uh, with a uh, app on it that will locate all the places you've been if you turn out positive. And public health systems have to be improved. Contact determination has to be the equivalent of what South Korea and Taiwan did. They've had relatively few deaths. Another fellow from UCSF, Dr. DeRisi, actually sequenced the virus very early on, and he had a test for it that worked. He offered to give it to the CDC. They, they, there's sort of, you know, there's, there's kind of a competitive mentality that exists, just like between sports teams. They wanted to develop their own test for the virus. They were a miserable failure at doing it. it. Their first test was a total flop. It put us way behind. You cannot get weeks behind when you're dealing with a problem like this. You've got to be right on top of it. Who was on top of it? The South Koreans, the, the government of Taiwan. They were on top of it right away. They kind of, uh, they, they, they had a test ready to go. They warned us ahead of time that this was going to be a problem. But the initial test that we did, my God, it took five days to get the answer back. I mean, in five days, one person could be walking, he has a test, positive, walks around for five days, infects, you know, a thousand other people or more. Congratulations, you have COVID. Oh, well, I should call all those people. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the next point, is trying to do contact 
studies of all the people who had the South Koreans and Taiwanese had a system for doing contact determination. Somebody got had a positive test, which they got back in a few hours, not five days. They got it back <laughs> and they could they could go to where they lived, where they worked, and they did this all quickly. They did it very quickly. They didn't waste wow. any time. They had a force out there ready to go. Well, I mean, uh, just imagine if you got it in hours instead of days. Yes. You, that's at least four to five days where you maybe would not go out to the grocery store, right? Like you you would definitely you'd be quarantined. So there's you'd be, all yes, those people. Yeah, yes. right? There's all those people. Yes. You'd be quarantined from the get-go. If you had right. to test back in 10 minutes, you'd be quarantined. Yes. And just to think, you know, I told you how rapidly this can replicate, how it can multiply. Within a few days, you go from one virus to 10 million. I mean, that that's not a that's not a joke. That's what can happen. It replicates that fast. Anyway, we could go on and on, and uh, we can't. This can't happen again. This cannot happen again. If we have another possible pandemic like this, and we're so slow on the trigger like this, uh, we're going to pay a, a terrible price. Now. It goes without saying, if we'd been screening people, if we'd been testing people, if we had an adequate test three months before all of this happened, how many lives do you think that would have saved? Some people estimate a minimum of 300,000 lives. I mean, we've lost close to 700,000 people. That's a lot of, of, of human uh, life that's been lost. Some of the problems that we had in this country, some serious shortcomings, of one of our major uh, departments in the administration known as the Center for Disease Control. Here's where it's really easy in retrospect to point fingers of you know, misdeeds, but one of our great centers, one of the great parts of our uh, administration has been the Center for Disease Control, uh, uh, this called the CDC, a widely respected organization worldwide. I mean, this is one of the centers that's developed uh, treatments for a lot of uh, third world country diseases, and it has, has had an excellent reputation. But here, when we look to see how they handled this, they were really slow to responding to this. When the virus was first described in China, in Wuhan, in um, 2019, there was evidence that it was really quite infectious. And here is one person, Charity Dean, who was the uh, medical director of uh, uh, Santa Barbara County, said to the CDC, what are we doing about these people from China are coming here? Some of them are sick. Aren't you worried that they could bring the virus to us? Do we have a test for it? She was asking all the right questions and got nothing back from the CDC they re did, uh, didn't respond to anything she said. She kept screaming about it. She's kind of a martyr Joan of Arc almost because she finally did get some attention, but she shouldn't have had to be the one to actually initiate this sort of thing. So we have got to be a lot better. But leadership here, a little bit from our administration, of course, our president was very anti-everything about this. He wouldn't even wear a mask, but he wasn't the whole problem. I think the CDC was also a big, big part of the big part of the problem, uh, why we were so slow on the trigger. That's interesting. I don't know that we've ever had heard that 
at least widespread. You have to read a very good book. Premonition. I saw that. Michael Lewis, Premonition. That is a great book. That really describes most of the things I just told you about here. Okay. Uh, that is a very good book pointing to the people who really were on, really knew this was happening and weren't listened to. So it sounds like what you're saying, one of the other potential failures or issues that we had in the beginning leads back to the testing conversation with the CDC and how quickly or not we were getting, we weren't prepared basically for. We were, we were, the, Ill, we were totally unprepared. For the for to be able to test large amounts of people quickly, yes. And yes. It, what do you think is the fundamental failure there? Was it that we haven't had a pandemic before in our lifetime, well, most of our lifetimes, or what? Yes. Why didn't we have the tests and the rap the rapidness of of that if we knew this these viruses existed? You're asking all the right questions. And, and I wish I wish somebody would answer those questions from the CDC because they they were told about this well in advance. And and some of the people there, um, while they were great scientists, um, maybe weren't necessarily great virologists. I, I, I don't know. It's it's we'll hear more about this. Have but you you're, heard those are anything? those are all the right. Those are all the right questions to ask. You haven't heard as to a reason. No, okay. no, no. I think some of the people there were just not as well trained in this. You know, you get to be head of an organization sometimes for work that you've done other than uh, taking care of a pandemic. And I think that was actually part of the problem. Some of the people there that were in charge of the CDC were not necessarily experts in virology. Um, and and um, I, I think that that has got to change. They're, they're, believe me, they're looking very carefully at this. What is the role of C? Like, what is the the people who who are in the CDC and the role of the CDC? Are they, if they're not virologists, what other types of? Oh, you just I mean almost almost any. For instance, there's a big section on malaria. There's a big section on uh, the the health problems of of third world countries. Uh, that's where the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is sort of you know emanated from. Uh, there's, I mean, almost any, uh, any, uh, any disease uh, you can think of, uh, including cancer, but infectious disease uh, tends to be one of the, one of the big ones, but there are other infectious diseases, parasites, bacteria, all kinds of other infectious disease, syphilis, tuberculosis. Some of these people were experts in that, but viruses are a different ball of wax entirely. Gotcha. We have to have on board Personal, we were so deficient in personal protective equipment. Uh, it's called PPE, abbreviated. That's the gowns they wear, the masks, the, uh, the uh, shields, the face shields. We had very few of these. Many hospitals had virtually very little of this. Uh, we didn't have enough ventilators. Uh, all of this, all of this has to be changed. And, and, the Chinese were making all the math. They were making all the protective equipment that nurses and doctors had to wear. We didn't have enough. We didn't have enough ventilators. Another failure. Uh, it's rather shocking, actually, um, uh, what, what actually happened there. Uh, we were so badly prepared. And uh, important that we have some central management that takes this very seriously. 
and is going to respond to the science appropriately that comes up here. And last but not least, just think of the catastrophes that would occur if somebody manipulated a virus in such a lethal way that it could be put out there in, the, in a community or in the a country or in the world. Just imagine the havoc that that could, could create. Bioterrorism is a reality. There are gonna be some nuts out there. They're going to try manipulating viruses to make them have what's called gain, gain of function. Uh, I think that uh, the Biden administration is trying to get on top of this. The head of science, it, his science advisor to the president, uh, Eric Lander, uh, is has, is already talking about all of these uh, all of these elements, and I think we're going to see a special uh, part, maybe a special cabinet even of the federal government that will deal with this kind of this kind of defense, because we're going to see these more and more in the future. And we're not even over the COVID thing yet. We've got, we've got some, we've got, we got, we got some worries left with it. Can we see other variants? We can see other variants. We didn't talk too much about the variants. There have been about at least a thousand of, of them or more. And also, Dr. Beso, what I'm, yeah. what I'm hearing is like a lot of that from the CDC, right? Like you got central management on this uh, preparedness for the future. You got central management, um, early warning of infectious threats. I, based off of what you said already, like, in, you know, I, I'm thinking that it's the CDC. We were, it sounds like we were a little elitist, right? Like there's yes. an issue over there in China. Oh, well you know, that that's, yes, that's, that's not what really going to affect us. But instead of that's what they did say, yeah, uh, a questioning mind, right? Like, 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 hey, what's going on over there? You guys got some sick people? Can we see what's happening? Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, yes. Um, and maybe they would have been able to a help um, or b uh, really go, oh, yeah, that's, Bad. We don't. Okay, shut the country down. Let me hold on. Let me call my boss. Excuse me, Mr. President. You need to shut shut stuff down. Um, so that's one thing. And then uh, that's the early warning aspect. But then you also mentioned there was someone who was already working on uh, a test and had a test that was functioning. Yes. And, yeah, and you mentioned function. like comp competition between yeah, yes. you know, the CDC I, I, and just I, wanted to make I would, it I would advise everybody to read Michael Lewis's book. Ah, right. That was again, Michael, Michael Lewis's book on premonition. I, I right. really That's advise, right. that is really an important book to read. I think the uh, other thing too is if we're, it sounded like we were for the PPE portion of it and the ventilators, we were deficient because we weren't, actually producing them here we are relying overseas on exactly. a lot of and not exactly. just for exactly. that good point. but also good, good point kate yeah good. but like also yeah. food and you know other yes. like computer yeah. chips and all these other things yeah so maybe it's time instead of going over uh, you know outsourcing which was a big thing for yes. the last 20 to 30 years it's now time to come bring some of that back or at least have the capability to do it no, in case ab something absolutely happens. that's very very good point very, very good point. You guys made very, very good points. Uh, I just want to make this little point about the, these are mutations that have occurred in the genetic code. And here's the spike protein. 
is where the changes have been made in the spike protein. If you change that spike protein, you change how it functions. You change its geometry, you change how it gets in the cell, you change lots of things. These are all mutations. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mutations. Seven or eight mutations have to occur before you get a change in the geometry of the spike protein. Here's where it attaches to the cell right up in this area right here. Right. You change that, you can change the function of the virus entirely. So these mutations, we call them variants, but they're multiple mutations. What they are, are really, really, we're worried about the next... Could we have one? The Delta one is very contagious. Are we going to get one that's even worse? Now that's, the, we have to, there's one called mu, Greek symbol mu out there. And we don't know much about it yet. We're not sure. A lot of these mutations don't spread. Um, but this one we're worried about because it tends to be resistant to the vaccine. That's our worst fear is that we're going to get a mutation that's worse. That's, 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 uh, uh, resistant to the vaccine. So in this okay. preparedness for the future, we have to be able to make vaccines quickly. Now we did this vaccine thing and no one could have believed we could have done this in six months, but what, which is what did happen. We have to be able to do it that fast on, on, an, on, uh, that's part of preparedness, changing the vaccines. If we have to change them, if the mutants catch up with us, by the way, you mentioned, uh, one of you mentioned that of viruses that have a lot of mutations, you can't make a vaccine to. You know which virus has most mutations we've never been able to make a vaccine to? That's HIV. HIV, we've had 40 years to try to make, 40 years to try to make a vaccine it has been a dismal failure. Hmm. Part of that- And is, is, is that because it mutates so rapidly? Yes. And also because it paralyzes the B and T cell. It's specifically uh, paralyzed. It goes right after the right after the guts of the immune system and knocks it out. Every time somebody has an idea about this, and then, then you read that they tried it and it didn't work. It's just sad that that recently happened again. So let me ask you, you making a vaccine and the ability to make the vaccine is very important, especially to make it quickly. Yes. But that doesn't actually help people feel comfortable actually taking the vaccine. That's a whole different issue. Yeah. How do we, how, uh, and I'm not one way or the other on the vaccine. I'm just asking if we have vaccines, but they're not actually being used, like how do we combat that? If you're saying that that is your viewpoint is that's how we uh, kill off this vax this virus. Yeah, we get everybody but, vaccinated. Yeah, it sounds like it's a twofold process, and one of them that you've spoken to that is the first one, which is getting the vaccine quick enough. Yeah, and the other one is actually having people take it. Ed educating educating people, even on a one on one basis, is, is going to have to be done. A lot of people remain skeptical about this for one reason. There, there's a few people that are called anti vaxxers They don't take any vaccines at all for any reason we're not going right. to we're not going to worry about them they're they're a relatively small small number but the skeptics we have to educate some part of preparedness is educating the public having confidence in the person who's doing the ed education now right now we don't have a bad person doing that anthony fauci is a knowledgeable person and he's trying to give a perspective that is that is generally reasonable i think okay 
we've got to be much, much, much better prepared than we were this time. We're going to see these. We're going to see these problems again in the future. Anything it's, else that you uh, see inside of the future, or is that pretty much it? That's. I think. I think I covered what I can. Thank you for helping us look at the way forward, because really, we we can't know where we're going unless we we look at object. You know, uh, right? Wh- where we've been, like hard. Uh, very, and, very good. And we definitely could have done some things better. And thank you for kind of just speaking yeah. to those points. Thank, yeah, thanks for joining us, Dr. Sure. Bezo. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on social media and check out our Patreon page. Leave us a review on your listening platform if you like the podcast. If you haven't heard your viewpoint or would like to be a guest, email us at info at artofdiscussing.com. Till next time, remember there's more sides to the story than yours. Look, listen, and learn, and keep Keep discussing. discussing.